Ah, another normal day in the subway, right? I know. This, this looks like UFC. Uh, Dana White, take it in the ring. Dang, 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 dang. No. Two police officers, as you can see, African-American, had to fight two suspects who refused to cooperate, and then it got into a slam em bam em fight. Notice this one cop who comes to help the other cop. He's like, I mean, barely doing anything. But this one cop, he takes a beating at first, and then he comes back swinging and winging. Now you would say to yourself, this teenage thug who's all bloody, and he deserved every hit he got. You would think like, wow, you assaulted a police officer. What was this all about? Wouldn't pay his fare, wouldn't provide ID, wouldn't even take a ticket, which leads to a disappearance ticket nowadays. Nothing serious happens. You don't go to jail. You know why? See the 17-year-old guy here, you know, with his trousers pulled all down, you know, down to his BVDs, his Fruity Loom. He had just recently been arrested in an armed robbery, loaded nine millimeter, and guess what? He got cut loose. Why? Because he's 17, not 18. So Neil, he knows he's impervious. Nothing's going to happen. But he's an enemy of cops. The war on cops continued. After this, guess what? He was released on his own recognizance. You say to yourself, wait a second. Because you're 17 in crime wave New York City, you get to carry a loaded 9mm do an armed robbery, they cut you loose. Then you refuse to pay your fare with your girly girl. The two African-American police officers take you to the side doing their job. Hey, show some ID. We write you up a ticket. You go on your way. No. They decide to be defiant because they knew they could fight the cops, whether it was win, lose, or draw. And <laughs> no consequences. You know, it's the difference with the cops now. Look, he's got a utility belt. Look at all the nonsense he's got on the utility belt. He's got the taser that doesn't work. He's got everything else. Old school days, cop had a gun. You don't use it unless absolutely it's the last thing in the world that you have to protect yourself or anyone else. But you had what was a wooden stick, a big wooden stick. They call it a nightstick. And it was an understood rule in the streets and in the subways. When the cop pulled the nightstick out, that meant if you went any further, you were going to get a wooden shampoo or it hit you in the kneecaps. And then all of a sudden, you'd be hopping around like Hopalong Cassidy. So even if he couldn't get you, somebody else would catch you a block or two away because it would be so obvious. They took the nightstick away from the cops. They stripped them of any ability they have to be proactive. Even when they're reactive, they got to take a beat down in order to make a collar or an arrest. And then imagine how these two cops felt the moment that this teenage thug and his thugette got busted. They got cut loose, cut loose, even though they were charged with a felony crime, resisting arrest, assaulting a police officer, obstruction of government administration. They threw the book at him, and guess what? The DA, Alvin Bragg, turned him loose. I love criminals. Cut him loose in the street. And you know they're going to do it again and again and again. And when, when the thugs and thugettes see this, they're going to be, yeah, yeah, we got it like that. We, we rule this city. And unfortunately, they do. Ah, so we went from the hood, 125th and Harlem, USA. We go here to, I guess you could call it McWhitey White White. 
I don't think there was a black face in the house. Why it's Minot, North Dakota. I don't really have many people of color there in Minot, North Dakota, right near the Canadian border. And it was the annual North Dakota State Fair. And who was the main performer? Man, it was, it was Kid Rock. And the reason that the crowd was going crazy, and look, they're throwing. In fact, they're, they're throwing full beer cans of Miller High Life, which normally you drink some and then you throw it. Full cans of Coors. Normally you drink some and then you throw it. Full cans because the state police had come out and canceled the event. 18,000 maniacs for their hero, Kid Rock, without Pam Anderson. I can understand if they said, no Pam Anderson, and everybody was upset. Okay, well, she's with Julian Assange now at WikiLeaks. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, let's get back on track. So you couldn't be any more polar opposite, right? Here you are, Kid Rock. You fly the American flag, but you drop the F-bomb in your interviews just like you did recently with Tucker Carlson. Your best friend in the world is former President Donald Trump. And the state police in North Dakota come up to you because it was lightning. And anytime there's lightning, you have to cancel a concert. It's the only time they cancel NFL football, not because there's rain, sleet, or snow. If there's lightning... Even though there may not be a raindrop or a snowflake in the sky or ice or sleet, they'll cancel it because of lightning. So the state police, they come up to Kid Rock in his dressing room, his RV, and they say, Kid Rock, you got to do us a solid. You got 18,000 of your hardcore fans out there. Could you please rock the mic and let them know? that we got to cancel this because it's a danger to the performers and it's a danger to all of them. And you know what Kid Rock said, man? He said, are you crazy? I'm not going out there into that crowd. Those are maniacs. They'll, they'll kill me if I have to tell them the concert's over. So Kid Rock, he, he drinks one of his cores. He gets in the RV with his groupies, with his roadies, and they get the hell out of there and they go to the next concert date, leaving this mishigash, this craziness behind. This is what you call McWhitey White White. I don't see a black or Hispanic or Asian face in the house. And man, all our craziness in North Dakota. So you see, it doesn't matter. It could be in Houston, remember the Astrodome? where Drake was hosting that huge concert that turned into people getting bum-rushed and crushed by a whole host of performers who had window shades on their eyes and all they cared about was getting, getting paid. To all the way north, right at the Canadian border, for the North Dakota Fair. <laughs> and it's Kid Rock. Kid Rock's in. Hey, I lost Pamela Anderson to, of all people, WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, that dweeb. I lost my manhood. And now I can't even go on the stage and tell them they can cancel my concert because of lightning. Man, there's madness in the air. This past weekend, man, it was wild, crazy everywhere. Wait, wait till you see what happened up next. Wow. If you went even further north from Kid Rock's concert in North Dakota, you go due northeast, and then what do you hit? Toronto. Rage against the machine. You know, they had pretty much broken up and quit about 15 years ago. First, there was the Clash, the counterculture group in the 80s. And then it was Rage Against the Machine in the 90s. 
And you know, Tom Morello, he said like lead guitarist, he like biracial, hardcore communist, socialist, whatever. He would advise people, you need to read Das Kapital by Karl Marx. He would praise Che Guevara, said, oh, you gotta read the works of Che Guevara. I mean, stone, hardcore communist. Meantime, turns out he was living in a gated community in the outer, outer, outer areas of Los Angeles County near the Palisades, a house that cost five million. Man, isn't it great to be a communist who has a lot of rubles, a lot of euros, a lot of freaking money? But he decided he need more money. So that's why they had to get back together. Now, he's a lead guitarist. And then you have Zach De La Rocha. He's the lead singer. So what happened is they regrouped recently in Wisconsin. They went on tour, so they're here in T.O. If you notice, sold-out house. Sold-out house, man. These people are back in the 90s. They're saying counterculture, F capitalism, F Canada, F Trudeau Jr., F Donald Trump, F Joe Biden. Man, this is anarchy the way it should be. And all of a sudden, somebody in the crowd jumps up on the stage, as you can see it over and over again, and he goes right for guitarist Tom Morella. And he goes and he grabs Tom Morella, right? No, he never got to Tom Morella. He was cut off by a security officer doing his job. The security officer went to grab the guy who jumped on the stage. And instead, he grabbed Tom Morella and he pushed him into the audience, causing him to separate his shoulder as if it were a mosh pit. And then Zach De La Roche, a lead singer of Rage Against the Machine, had to tell everybody, because it was like anarchy, stop, stop, performance is over. Now think of it. You can't get any more left wing than Rage Against the Machine. We just told you what happened in North Dakota with a guy who flies the American flag, the flag of treason, the stars and bars, the, the Confederate flag. And yet praises Donald Trump. Rage against the machine. They hate all of our presidents. And yet similar circumstance. A riot breaks out. But remember, where did this all start? Academy Awards. Will Smith smacks Chris Rock and doesn't get arrested. Then the next thing you know, some kukulamunga at the Hollywood Bowl attacks Dave Chappelle on the stage. Even though he's got his security around him, they eventually give him a beatdown. No, no consequences. He doesn't get arrested for that. So everywhere else now, it's learned behavior. You realize there are no consequences for your actions. You could be with McWhitey White White in North Dakota. You could be there. You could be in T.O. Canada in a sea of anarchy. There are no consequences for your actions. So I, I'm thinking every performer out there may well have to end up having barbed wire on the stage <laughs> and build a ditch, you know, and fill it like a moat. Maybe put alligators in there, hungry alligators or crocodiles to keep the crowd from you and you from being dragged by the crowd into the marsh pit. All right, so we saw the new Jacks. Well, new Jack in comparison. Elton John. We saw Kid Rock, there was riots in North Dakota. We saw rage against the machine, counterculture, riots in Toronto. But here it was, the farewell tour of Elton John, and he was having his last two shows in the tri-state area, both at MetLife Stadium. Saturday night, Sunday night, packed house, packed house. And it was incredible, he put on a three-hour performance each time. But he said, that's it, I'm 75 years old, 
I'm not going to continue with my Depends tour like some of my other colleagues. Who am I talking about? Well, you know who I'm talking about, right? It's Roger Daltrey and the Who. He's like close to 80. You got Paul McCarthy, who was just recently here at the MetLife Stadium at 80. You know, joined by Springsteen and Bon Jovi. I read already. We can go start 82. And then, of course, there's Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. He's like 78. So... Elton John said, look, man, I have abused myself. I have ingested every conceivable drug. I've had all kinds of mental and medical health issues. I'm lucky to be alive. This is it. This is the end of the line. Now, he's going to continue his world tour. But he put on quite a performance here. Yeah, you know, look, he had the crazy glasses. He had the platform shoes. I used to wear platform shoes in the days of disco. You know, I had the polyester waffle weed flame retardant shirt. I had the bell bottoms. And I had the platform shoes that Elton John used to wear and still does. But the difference in this concert at MetLife, as opposed to what we saw with Kid Rock in North Dakota, and with Rage Against the Machine in Toronto, is that even though the place was packed to capacity, everybody was chilled out. In fact, I was surprised because the lower tier, which cost way more money, seemed to be New York Giant fans, a football crowd. Yeah, they were, they were screaming in the interludes, New York Giants, New York Giants. I'm saying, I never knew Giant fans were Elton John fans. And then in the upper deck, they were Jet fans, because obviously yeah, they don't make as much money as New York Giant fans. And they were screaming, J-E-T-T-S, J-E-T-T-S. The Gabons that they are, they don't even know how to spell the Jets. And I'm not talking Benny and the Jets. But this was the Yellow Brick Road final tour. And man, he put on a great show. But I was surprised because, you know, when you get older, you don't just continuously play music in order to sort of revitalize yourself, to get a little energy. You stop, you take a momentary break. All the old time artists do it. And you either tell a narrative, you tell a story, or you do like a PSA. I would have thought for sure that on that stage in MetLife, in which it was being videoed and shown around the world, and obviously you had a captive audience there, that Elton John would have been talking about the plague of monkeypox. <laughs> he decided he wasn't going there. But I will tell you this, Elton John still can't take the fact that his movie was not as great as the movie about Queen's Mercury, Freddie Mercury. And I gotta tell you, I didn't like Freddie Mercury in Queen. My wife, Nancy, loves Freddie Mercury in Queen. I prefer you, Elton John. But we're going to miss you, Elton John. You were, I would say, comparable to the older generation. You were the Liberace of the baby boomers. Liberace was just like you, just as ostentatious, dressed just as crazily, just as talented. He was a real mama Luke, just like yourself. So Elton John, we lost, yeah, we lost him, but we still have you.